girls or with someone near them, if I said, what do you think the good life consists of? Can you just find someone near you and ask them what they think, what you both think the good life, the good life consists of? So in a few minutes, uh, I'll ask for some feedback on that, the question, what do we think the good life consists of? If we have, have that phrase, the good life, what do we think we're being invited into? Or what do you think we, we want to see in our lives? What are some of the metrics of a good life? Okay, hands up. I know that that was quite short, but hands up because I think some of those phrases often it's quite at the top of our brain. Like, um, hands up anyone who has any metrics or whatever they think. If we they are asked, what what does the good life consist of? Yes, Sarah. Love that question. However you want to interpret it. I love that question. Yeah. Empowerment. Great. Yeah. Going to the beach. Yes. I mean, that just covers a whole load of stuff. That means recreation, sports you like, nice weather. There's a whole bunch of stuff. When we think going to the beach, we're not thinking Blackpool. No offense. Or Brighton Pier, where I grew up. Um, Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. The good life is like no anxiety, just freedom, just, oh, peaceful. Yeah. Opportunity. Yeah. To, to do anything. So it could be, yeah, education and work, or it could be to recreation in the way you want to do it. Yeah. So it's opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good life, isn't it? family around the table. Yeah, it's good. Yes. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah. Being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Being valued. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Esther. Nice. So when we say the phrase, the good life, There's a kind of moral range, isn't there? The stuff that like resonates, the stuff that's a bit like, oh, it's kind of not a neutral term so much as how we interpret it. That phrase stands on its own, but our reading of it, what we think it means for us, that's where our ethics, our thinking, our values inform it. And that's why Sarah's question was brilliant. Like, who, who's good life? So I'm going to just put up here... A very dumbed-down version of the good life in first-century Rome that looks a bit more like 21st-century America and the West, because America is is the kind of driving um, cultural powerhouse behind the West. So it will be nuanced in different Western countries. But I would say this is the world's definition in the West of the good life. The good life 
So you can see that I've taken the word blessed from the Beatitudes because hashtag blessed doesn't mean anything to anyone. No one knows what that means. We say it's the Greek, makarios, still no one knows what that means. So I'm just trying to find another phrase. And actually, I think they use this on a Bible project, which I found really helpful. The good life is found in being self-sufficient. In, in Pax Romana, in Rome, it was brutally oppressing other people. So you can see how we've been sufficiently Christianized to make it vaguely innocuous. The good life is found in feeling good. The good life is found in being self-confident. The good life is found in not caring too much. The good life is found in avenging wrongs. The good life is found in self-gratification. The good life is found in divide and rule. The good life is found in being popular. The good life is found in people speaking well of you. It's kind of okay, isn't it? Like, there are bits where you're like, oh, it's not great, but it's kind of, we'll accommodate to that. Because how else do we live? Is there any other way to be human? So a really helpful lens to read the world is, if we go to the next slide, is this idea that People who come to recognize the reality of Jesus live in a prophetic tension between the age and the age to come. This I'm going to explain. I'm doing 10 teachings this year on the Sermon on the Mount. Every single one I'm going to put this out. So don't think, gosh, I've got to understand this now. Essentially, when humans decide repeatedly to take, to grasp life, in their own terms, to take the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and rule in their own wisdom. They open the door for a life marked by evil, sin, death, slavery, violence, curse, things that most people agree aren't great. When Jesus came, he inaugurated something called new creation, recovering the true good life. But it's not there yet. When he restores all things, in heaven and in this, this earth, we will inhabit the true new creation. Justice, love, life, freedom, shalom, blessing. And most people around in most cultures would agree those are good things. But how do we access that good life? Jesus says something fascinating about the Noah narratives, Noah the flood narrative and the Sodom Gomorrah narrative. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. There are two narratives in Genesis where there's such violence, corruption, the sexual violence, brutality and oppression that a flood of water has to come to cleanse and a flood of fire. And they're designed to be read in parallel and interpret each other. Great. We're all agreed that's not great. Life that where it's so much corruption that the violence, the blood of the poor cry out from the ground isn't great state to be in. When Jesus talks about it in Luke, he doesn't reference any of that. He says, in the times of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah, people were marrying and giving in marriage, buying and selling, building and planting. To me, sounds much more like the 21st century Western good life. I was just having my own life. I was living my dream. I had my special person. I had my kids, my house, my career, my life. I got to go to the beach. 
That's the good life. And it's very innocuous, isn't it? What is wrong with that? Well, whatever it is that happens when humans live with that small vision takes the world to a place where they literally have to be purged by flood and water. So let's go back to that first slide. It looks innocuous, but can you see the seeds of problems? The Sermon on the Mount is a very astute dealing with the human condition. The moment we start just caring about marrying and getting married, having that special person, having that nice job, having that nice home, having the car, having the pets or the kids or whatever we want, the moment it becomes self-focused, the good life, is the moment we start to sow seeds, build a foundation of sand that when the storms come, the whole thing collapses because no one wakes up one day and wants to bomb the hell out of their enemies. But what you do wake up one day is, I just want my place in the world. I want my little happy life. I want my good life. No one wakes up one day and says, I'm going to divorce the person who I'm sleeping in this bed with. But for year on year on year, they just wanted their own thing. They wanted their own good life. It's so subtle. And that's why the politics of the Sermon on the Mount... Is the best politics I've ever come across because it stops, doesn't just deal with the public and the social sphere. It deals with the private and the intimate sphere of what it is to be human. It deals with our hearts. If we can't live like this, how else can we live? If we can't just have a little bit of self-protection, a little bit of self-focus, a little bit of ambition, how are we going to live? This is where the offence, and it is deeply offensive, of the Beatitudes comes in. Now, the Beatitudes have been beatified. We no longer see them as offensive. I'm going to give you one example. Because we've been sufficiently Christianized, we think humble or humility is a good thing. In Rome, first century, it meant what humiliation and humiliating means to us now. Blessed are the humiliated... Blessed are those undergoing humiliation, let alone all the other ones that are just horrible. We're going to go to the next one, and this is uh, two slides along. This is where Jesus says the good life is to be found. And it literally messes with all our value systems wherever we come from. The good life is found by the poor, it's economically poor, it's politically poor, it's personally poor, it's spiritually, it's, don't, oh, it's this kind of poor, it's poor. It's like when you know you haven't got enough of anything. Theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. The good life is found by those who grieve, who are sad, who there is such traumatic loss that their body has a physiological reaction and they actually weep. They will be comforted. The good life is found by those who are endure humiliation and are humiliated. They will actually inherit the earth. Not those thinking about their building and their buying and their selling. The good life is found by those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice. They see things that aren't right and they care enough. They just care enough to feel it, to allow it, to make them feel again. They will be satisfied. 
The good life is found by the merciful, those for who have actually been sinned against to the extent they have to consciously show mercy. It is not nice to be in a position for anyone where they have to show mercy because it means they've been violated, but they will be shown mercy. The good life is found by the pure in heart in a world that absolutely loves self-gratification, loves the quick fix, loves the denial and the anaesthetism. The good life apparently is found in the one who will contend for purity and think it really matters. And what we do with our bodies does something to us. The good life is found by the pure in heart. They will actually, the veil of the human condition that deceives us we're not in union with God is broken and we recognize him. We see him everywhere in us and through us and around us. Next slide. The good life is found by the peacemakers. We love the idea of peacemaking. Has anyone been in anything where they've either been out of relationship with someone personally or been in an ethnic or community situation of division? It is horrendous having to say, I care enough to contend for peace. It is a horrible, messy confrontation with the human condition when you, ha- when you, when you say, I'm actually going to go there and I care enough about reconciliation to go there. For they will be called children of God. The good life is found by those who are persecuted because of righteousness or justice, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The good life is found by you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because you have accessed the kingdom of the heavens. I think what he's saying is, if this is you, you are that prophetic community that is inaugurating new creation. You are believing there's something more than that small little trivial vision of the good life, which ends up with World War Three over there. You are a prophetic vision of new creation. You are contending, if we go back to that slide, for the shalom, the justice, the love, and the peace, and the freedom. You are saying, that is real this isn't real. Your actual, uh, uh, not, it's not, this is my truth, that's your truth, but this is the way the world really is. We either intentionally go to the places in our own life and the places in the world that are broken and poor and oppressed and wounded and hurting, and we orientate our whole lives towards that and say that is the gateway to the good life, or we accidentally end up over here, as I said, bombing our enemies. I don't think it's neutral. And I think now is the time for the people of God to really say, what do we actually believe? What foundations are we actually building on? Because the visible church with a capital C, E, if you like those terms, evangelical, is collapsing where it is not built on the teachings of Jesus, as he says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. If you hear these teachings, this doesn't apply to people who've never met God and aren't accountable. This applies to people who know what Jesus says is the way we should live between Matthew 5 and 7. And don't put it into practice. The storms come and the house of your life, your family, your community, your nation, your civilization will crash without a trace. But for those people who understand that the way for the good life is going the extra mile, is loving your enemies, is when someone hates you, speaking verbal blessing until you care enough for their blessing and restoration that you are excited when you see it happening. The good life is taking captive every thought for faithfulness and fidelity if you're married and faithfulness and fidelity if you're single to honour the state you're in and the state other people are in. The good life comes for those who, when they're kind of want to judge other people, recognise there's a plank in my own eye and I just want to get rid of that. Well, I can see clearly and kindly to see the speck in someone else's. 
the whole Sermon on the Mount is saying, if you want to be truly human and you want to stand the tests of life, build your house on the rock. This is the rock. What I'm saying is the way to be truly human. So we'll finish this because we're going to meditate now on the word of God. We're going to be having worship, extended worship. And I want us to bring ourselves to the table and kind of go, what do we actually think the good life is? How do we actually access it? And it's a conversation we're going to be having all year, so there's no rush. These are big, these are, it's funny, they're little daily momently, moment decisions in our lives, but they actually end up meaning our life looks totally opposite to what it could have done if we'd taken other little decisions. If we go right to the last slide, we'll see. That body, that person that's the peacemaker, that hunger and thirst for justice, that's humiliated, that's grieving, that is Jesus. He is the good life. He embodies the Beatitudes. And it's through him that we access the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the justice, the shalom, the peace. That's some of the things we all said we wanted from the good life. He is saying the only way to do it is the narrowest, smallest most specific way through the physical death and resurrection of Jesus. That is the access to the good life because he embodies it. He is the life. So I'm going to pray now and we're going to have worship and we're going to ask ourselves, ask the Holy Spirit to show us whatever he wants to show us. But if we see that, if we hear this and we're like, yeah, my life's hard. Every day I wake up and it's hard to get through the day, blah, blah, blah. We're building on the rock. But if we're sitting around going, yeah, I tick the metrics and the data of what the world says is great about me, we better be careful because that isn't enough to sustain the storms. So I want us to make sure as a community, a whole community, we can stand and say we're building on the rock. We're, we're truly human. So I'm going to pray and then Sam's going to come up and lead us in just contemplative worship. Lord, thank you that greater is he that is in us than he's in the world. doesn't matter if a billion voices say one thing's the good, vo- good life. Your voice is reality. We just need one, one word from you and that realigns us and restores us. Thank you that there are no places in the human condition that you ask anyone to go or people to suffer that you didn't yourself fully embody. I don't mean to be trite and quick in the way I say that, but it is remarkable what you embodied on the cross in your suffering, in your execution, in your humiliation. So we can go to those places in the human condition that are poor, that are vulnerable, that are shameful, that are degraded within ourselves and within the world. We can go there because you've gone there. And we can build a life going through your body into your resurrection, into new creation and experience the good life. It is extraordinary and it's absolutely true. It is the way the world really is. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to show us, show me, the kind of tweaking, the pruning, the thing that you want to do to, to help us as a community build our house on the rock so that when the storms come, we withstand and we're truly human.
when the fire and the flood come, we come forth as gold. That we inhabit and body and, re- and reveal and witness the true good life. Amen.